0: It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Yahoo! The audience goes crazy, and today our special guest is my good friend and longtime Taxi member, Mr. Bob Meddy. Hello, Bob. Hi, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Good to see you. I'm going to lose one of my ears there. Um, move two inches to your other way (laughs) to your right there you go perfect all right i've got you centered all right and i can see people in the chat room saying hello to us both so hello everybody in the chat room good to see you and today we're going to talk music licensing success despite having a day job and uh the reason I asked Bob to the show was because he's a great example of somebody who has an extremely busy work life, a family, a lot of adult responsibilities. One of them is a shoveling horse manure. Um, yet He's been able to build a really nice second income, creating music for licensing to TV, film and commercials. So I know a lot of people think it's really hard t- to find the time to create music on any sort of regular basis because they've got a day job and a family and all that stuff. But um, when you hear about Bob's schedule, uh, pre-COVID schedule, <laughs> you'll be shocked at how well he's done. And I want you guys to meet him so that you know that it can be done. You got me. I <laughs>
1: uh, we're oh, getting there. that. Voice oh thing. yeah. You-
0: you're getting the feedback, all right? Yeah, get your cans on, and uh...
1: it's coming through there too.
0: Oh, you, are you watching the show on your computer as well? Are you on YouTube? I'm sorry. Are you on YouTube as well? I uh, no. Should I be? No.
1: No. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Okay.
0: It's fine. Try- right. you still I'm
1: getting quite up until now.
0: Yeah, the vagaries of doing online stuff.
1: Wow. Okay, let me try the headphones again.
0: All right. Testing one two. How's that?
1: It's. um, I'm going to lower the volume. It's a little better. Let's see here.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm not getting any slap on this end.
1: Oh, there. I, I brought the volume way down, and now it's now we're good. Okay. Good.
0: Anyway, great to see you. Um, Sorry we didn't get a chance to see each other at the road rally this year, but uh, hopefully in uh, 2021, uh, it's kind of up in the air at the moment, but hopefully the vaccines, you know, make their rounds by November and we can do it. Um, All right, folks in the chat room are saying uh, that everything is good on their end audio-wise. So that's great. So let's get some background on you. Tell our viewers what you do for your day gig and how often when COVID isn't a factor that you travel for work? Like how many days a week are you in the
1: air or on the road? Uh, in the good old days, when, <laughs> when we could travel, uh, I, was, I was supposed to be on the road every other week and that never worked out. It seemed like I was, I'd was i go six, eight, 10 weeks straight, uh, wow. not full weeks, but you know, fly out Tuesday, come back Thursday, fly out Wednesday, come back Friday, that kind of thing. Uh, in 19, 2019, I had 121 flights, did over 150, 160,000 miles in the air. Uh, wh- what I do for a day gig is now I've trans- I'm always transitioning. <laughs> I'm reinventing myself. When I joined, I worked for a company called Brooks Equipment. And they're the largest fire protection safety distributor in the world. And basically in your office and everyone's office, you see the fire extinguisher, you see the alarm, you see the sprinkler and the emergency lights. We sell all the parts that the distributors need to inspect them and service them. And my bailiwick, where I came from is, I, I was born in the lighting industry. And my is exit signs and emergency lights, and that's from manufacturing distribution. So when I came to them, I came to them as a product manager, and huge company, no salespeople, all online. So I'm I'm one of the only people for the company ever to be out in the road, you know, doing training. And I said, hey, you know, while I'm here, I can make some sales calls. I'm a professional salesperson, and they're like, what? Talk talk to our customers in person? with <laughs> So, yeah, and then I started bringing back stuff, you know, that they did. And so that developed, and then there were four outside salespeople. Then I gradually got out of that and came back just to training. That's what I've been doing for the last eight, nine years for them. I Our customers obviously buy our products, and I go in and train them on the codes, the laws, and how to do service on exit signs and emergency lights, and how to make a whole lot of money doing it. Nice. Yeah. Um, so you have to know all the the laws and the regulations for all the different states they're in. Yeah, well, m- most of them follow national codes. Oh, okay. So it's either it's either God. I feel like I'm doing my day gig here, <laughs> <laughs> and, and a PA one hundred and one or the international code council, or in states they sometimes write their own codes. So yeah, it's it's narrowed into groups, and then the electrical code, and you know OSHA and stuff like that. So yeah, no, I, I do know a lot about codes.
0: <laughs> wow all right um so give us some context on your music licensing life um how how many pieces would you estimate whether they're songs or instrumentals how many do you have out there in catalogs at this point in time would you say well if
1: i go by my bmi registry i have about 541. that's a lot of yeah, but a lot of that is, you know, re retitling between, the, between publishers and stems and all that. Uh, my main go-to publisher, I have approximately, I think I'm just under uh, 80 signed pieces with this one uh, publisher. And they're all songs. There's, there's no cues there or stems. Those are all songs. Uh, do you ever
0: do instrumental cues or do you only do songs?
1: Oh no, I do I do some uh, instrumental cues. Uh, sometimes I've, when a publisher will put out a brief, uh, I just did one uh, a couple of years ago and not one. But I did a whole series uh, for c- piano tension, crime, uh, drama kind of thing, you know, in the lab, CSI type uh, type stuff. And it was fun. you know, it's different than writing a song because I'm so melody driven or lyric driven. Yeah. And, then sudden, and then suddenly, you know, you're just doing, you know, a minute or, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes of, you know, set it, build it, get out. <laughs> it's It was a learning experience, yes. <laughs> um,
0: how many publishers do you have stuff with? I know that you've got that main one that's your go-to, but how many overall?
1: I have about 15 different publishers that I actively uh, send music to. And it's the 80-20 rule. I have like three or four that make me money that are, you know, always on the BMI statement. Uh, the newer stuff comes in, you know, from them.
0: Right. You know, I've often uh, held you up to be the smartest guy I know in music licensing, and people say, why? And I say, because what Bob does oftentimes is like, full-on instrumentals that could be two or three minutes long versus doing a 60 to 90 second cue. And that's because I know that you do a lot of cocktail jazz stuff. And cocktail jazz often ends up in a scene with two people having dinner in a restaurant, having a conversation, and and they're not darting in and out of cues. They hit go, and that music plays during the entire, you know, happy anniversary honey scene. So uh,
1: you get long plays yeah especially like uh, i'm I'm with bmi uh you get into that two three minute range of a vocal you get uh, i get the super rate Mm -hmm. you get even more money and it's like yes so when i'm when i'm on tv when i'm watching when i know there's going to be a show that has one of my songs on it i'm there with the stopwatch (laughs) (laughs) how how long is it you know and you know it goes back to when we talked on taxi before uh, like, you know, my son Ryan said, you know, we can hardly hear it. You know, they're paying this these beautiful upfront fees, but you can hardly hear it. And I'm like, they don't pay us on volume. They pay <laughs> us on length. And that's, you know, and that, that's, I'm going to print up a shirt that says that, you know, it's just, <laughs> and, and it's so true sometimes. But I, I forget where I was, but I was listening to uh, some music supervisors and they addressed that. And they said, you know, even though the music's so low, you could hardly hear it, you know, when we take it out the scene falls apart. It's just that, it's just that noise, it's just that filter in the background that gives the the scene life, that gives it realism.
0: Speaking of noise and background, hang on, I'm gonna go turn off my heater, I'll be right back. Sure thing. (laughs) One of my pre-show responsibilities, (laughs) and I forgot to do it. Yeah, it's funny. I've been talking recently on the Quarantini Happy Hours that I'm still doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays about uh, there's a thing in in video editing called room tone where they just take the sound of a heater or an air conditioner, just the hum that you hear in a room. If you have a scene that doesn't even have that in it, it feels unnatural. So they literally have libraries full of different kinds of room tone and they insert that into video when there's no music playing just to make it feel real. Nice. Um, Let's see, so how many placements would you say, how long have you been doing music licensing? Let's establish that first.
1: Okay, I I joined Taxi in 2007. Wow, you're an old timer. Yeah, yeah. And I I got my first deal uh, in like 2010. In fact, you were doing a mini rally in, in Nashville. and Oh, yeah. I remember that. I, was D- Dean Crepane spoke at it, right? Yes. Dean was up there. Yeah. And I brought you a little bottle of champagne to say thanks. That's right. <laughs> um, I remember that. Yeah. That's there. And then it was about, well, it was later that year that I got the big deal with um, Donna Karen for the, those advertisements. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Yeah, um, we will. And... And so I I, then the first real placement was like 2011 on Californication. And it it was for that song that got signed back in 10. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's patience. (laughs) It's a a slow road and you just got to just, you know, just keep going at it day by day. It's you
0: know, funny I, how many people who don't know the drill think that you, you know, submit a song, it gets forwarded by taxi, ends up going to a supervisor or a library, and they're going to get a check in
1: 90 days. It doesn't work quite like that. No, no. I, I look at sync payments as like uh, uh, coupons on a bond or an annuity. It's it's going to be six months or nine months down there, but I know it's coming, so that that's cool. Yep. Um, So, how many placements overall do you think you've had? Well, my placements are different than a lot. You know, you see, like on the forum, you say, oh, a thousand placements and all that, because those most of them mainly cues. I probably have a good solid fifty to sixty, fifty to sixty sinks where the upfront money and and then obviously the back end too. So.
0: Hang on. Sorry. I forgot to unplug the phone too.
1: I'll be right back. (laughs) It's about your car warranty. Oh,
0: well. (laughs) Luckily, my wife is upstairs and... uh, she grabbed the phone. Nobody ever calls on the home on the landline except for you know solicitors nowadays.
1: It was about uh, your car warranty, exactly.
0: What is up with those car warranty guys? They're ruthless. No matter how many times I block their number, they call on another one like in five minutes. <laughs> so it's not just me. Wow, I thought it was just me. Um, so yeah, okay, so you're like in a you're not wholly unlike other taxi members, but you've got your own little niche going, you know, in that you tend to get stuff that's got sync fees attached. And for those who are watching the show that are new to the industry, a sync fee is an upfront payment. Uh, A lot of the music that you hear in reality shows, nobody gets upfront payments for that. You just get your money from ASCAP or BMI on the back end because it's performed on a TV show with a sync fee. Um, which is oftentimes associated with like a, a broadcast network show that could be on ABC, CBS, NBC, or Fox. Um, it's usually 2500 to 5000 ish up front. Um, you typically split that with a publisher, and then you make money on the back end, especially if it's on a broadcast net, and it plays for a long time like Bob songs do. You make real good money. So um, he's not uh, one of these guys. I've had 3,000 placements, but he's had placements that make him really good money.
1: You know, one, one placement that I have, uh, there was no upfront, it was it was from one of the 80% uh, publishers, but it got placed in a cartoon, uh, The Amazing World of Gumball Gumball. And finally, okay. a, finally, a, a music that my grandkids can watch and listen, it's not an R rated show. But it was one of my piano <laughs> cello pieces, a new age piece. Yeah. And it was and when I wrote it, um, I was thinking in my mind, I was hearing like the ending of Schindler's List where you know, when the guy's walking through the sound and the music was just so poor. And that's what I was thinking. Was, the song is called The Sweet Sorrow. And it was, it's very mellow like that. And, and I saw an amazing world like, oh well, how can this possibly be? When I found the cue, when I found the, the clip, um, the, the cartoon characters are, did a little documentary and they were talking about you know impoverished kids or something, and so the music fit in beautiful. And let me tell you, the Cartoon Network pays phenomenal, <laughs> and it keeps repeating. And I, I'm amazed that it was a minute. It was either I think it was about 42 seconds, but every time it plays, it's like 40, 50 dollars. Yeah. And and it plays all the time. So I'm like. Yes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> cartoons do. They repeat like crazy. They often syndicate uh, at least nationally, if not all over the world. Yeah. Um, so great. Um, tell us about some of your most notable
1: placements. I'm sure the Donna Karen thing will be included. Yeah. Yeah. The Donna Karen was uh, a real eye opener. It was like vindication, validation. You know, any other kind of Asian I can think of. Because uh, you know, up to that point, you know the whole world is taxi you know for starting out yeah i mean you know you're the portal you know you have to get through this portal to get get to the world so to speak and you know you're getting the accepting you're getting rejections and going back and forth and then you start getting some acceptances and then when i got the call that uh hey you know you're in the final running for this perfume and and i i told the story on stage when we were together at a rally you know i and when i got the deal i you know it was beautiful money you know low mid five figures and i went into my wife who was in you know sleep i say hey i i got this great deal and she goes what i said it's with this donna caron or something and she goes she goes you don't know who that is do you and i said no She goes, go google it and i said. Why, come on, just tell me. She goes, You're an idiot. Donna Karen, the, the designer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, at first when it came in pure DKNY, I thought that was right. an abbreviation for donkey. <laughs> 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 so, but yeah, no, that that was sweet. Uh and then it ran a year. It, had, it was a year's uh fee. And then it was up in February of the following year. And so I'm I'm anal retentive. I, you know, I check all my sound uh, cloud stats and uh, disco I mean, I'm always counting the numbers, who's watching, who's listening, blah, blah, blah. And so I I noticed that, uh, okay, the contract was up in February 31st, and I was on their page. They were also running the music on their uh, website for the perfume. And, well, it started to become March. And so I called the publishers. Are they going to renew and she said, no. She goes, I checked with them. The, the program's dead. Okay. So then in March, I it was still playing. So I called them back and said, are you sure they're not renewing? Because it's still on their website. And she goes, well, really? She goes, I'll get back to you. And she called back the, about two days later. She goes, thanks for your diligence. She goes, well, we just got another 5,000 for wow. use for another year just on the internet, just because it played when people were shopping. I mean, that's like, beautiful. And then- the next year, the pure DKNY Verbena came out and they used it again. And there was another, you know, now you dream of those sync fees. Those are, you know, yeah. in, in in terms of the advertising world, that's actually a small fee, you know. So but I'm, I'm waiting for one of those big ones to come in. Well, <laughs> and I know
0: what that number was. And just to be clear, it wasn't the 5K that Bob just mentioned for the Internet use, the, the Using it in the TV commercials got it many more times, the 5K. But yeah, yeah, I guess compared to people that get a couple hundred grand for a, you know, a big commercial, it wasn't that big. But still, uh, no. it was definitely way up there. And I don't know any musician who would turn their nose up at, at that oh, no. amount.
1: <laughs> no, that, that was wonderful. Yeah, some of my really nice, uh, we were just on, um, again, a restaurant scene, HBO's The Undoing. Uh, that was, that was I I don't know if you watched it, but it was, you know, I was glued to it. And and my wife's joke is always, oh, I got a place. Okay. What restaurant are they in? (laughs) She calls me the king of the restaurant um, music. And it's, yeah, you know, that's, that's what it is. Ray Donovan. Um, Volcheck, when the guy goes into the restaurant where they're talking, blows his brains out. That's me, you know, playing <laughs> playing in the background. I got such memorable, you know, placements. How do you know? Well, you'll know when the guy shoots himself in the head. That's me playing there. You know?
0: Would you like a little brains with your dinner? <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but, but I kept playing. I just kept wiping off my glasses. You know.
0: <laughs> uh, how many? years have you been making music? Because I know you've been doing music long before you joined Taxi. Uh, Did you start out when you were a kid with like piano lessons, the typical thing?
1: In fact, I I just started giving piano lessons. And uh, and I have a couple very young students and I found some of my first books. Wow. <laughs> 1967. <laughs> Boy do I feel old. But yeah, you know, that's when I started I started 12 years old, the 3rd grade, and yeah. I wrote my first I wrote my first song in 3rd grade. It was it was all right hand. I didn't realize it was the key of B major, but you know, it's just all the black notes, you know. But it was a cute little thing. I wrote lyrics to it to host, you know. But uh yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, did the whole eighth grade ninth grade bands and you know playing for passing the hat around playing for food <laughs> one, one time the guy came and said get the hell back on the band saying you your band is eating more food than they're playing <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, usually that would be drinking uh, you know, i think did, did, did they yeah <laughs> um well my sax player was about 300 pounds so <laughs> the um you know, college, you know, I, I did the Elks Club, you know every Friday night, you know, in high school, I did the steak bar, you know, the cobbler, and you know, and even then, you know you realize you know it's eight thirty on a Friday night. yeah, Big Jim from Sears is coming in. He sits at the end of the bar. He has a beer, he'll have two then leave, and then Joe come, you know, and at, at that age, I realized that you know I, I really don't want to play cocktail bars, you know, for my entire life. But you know it was funny that you mentioned, you know, for writing, because I was just talking to my wife. I think about a week ago. I said, you know, when I realized that I really wanted to do music for film and stuff, I, I always tell the story that I told my dad that, and he said, "Yeah, you have to go to Hollywood. The walk would do you good." And you know, <laughs> ha ha, ka-ching, you know the. <laughs> so. But what really, where where it really really hit me where that little ding. Hit you in the heart, and you just you get that sensation. I was I never forget it. It was uh, I was either at the end of high school or just in college. I was home. I was watch- Saturday. I was watching TV, and I was watching kojak who loves your baby. You know that kind of thing. Absolutely. And at the end of the episode, where they they caught the bad guy and all that stuff, Telly Savalas walks out of the precinct, and it's night. And the, you know they dimly lit in the alley with the you know the round globe lights and it starts snowing and it was either a trumpet i can't remember that far back but I, I think it was a flugelhorn it was some slow beautiful flugelhorn music and it was just jazzy and he just you know looked up and said his last line and then the music took it out and i remember just sitting there just like drained it was like oh my god that was beautiful and and it, you know how you just get that feeling—you just knew that I—I I I don't know how, but I got to get there. <laughs> and eventually, uh, eventually, yeah, eventually, I got
0: there. <laughs> well, like, you wow. sure did. Um, so, what are your favorite genres of music to play? Like, I, I, you still do play the occasional piano bar gig, right? Or I, am I mistaken about that? Uh,
1: not really. Uh, who, who has time? You know. Well, yeah. <laughs> jazz gigs start at 1011 o'clock I'm in bed by then you know I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm closing up the studio and I'm not going out for a gig at that hour. Uh, but I, I will do you know hey you know someone you know we have a special will you come in and play and I, I do believe it or not I do more gigs on the road for like the trade associations oh. uh, you know like they want, some of the pictures I just I just got a, re- a small record deal and I had in Japan. Nice and i had to send pictures and i was looking at some of the pictures for for me and playing a a white grand piano white or black oh it was a grand piano that they brought in on the 30th floor of the swiss hotel overlooking lake michigan or some one of those big lakes out there and you know and i was doing the cocktail for them they said hey you know we know you play would you play for us and i did and more i can't tell you how many associations I provide the music during the during the annual meetings and stuff you know and it's just so yeah you know that's i i i i'm I'm to the point now when once covid's over uh i'm gonna want to gigs just to get out you know because you know just you know i was thinking the other day you know all the old standards you know you know of course i of course i could still play missy of course i could play satin dow green dolphin street you know run down the list but then there's a lot of songs that oh my god I haven't played that one in 20 years. You know, got to take out the books and start cutting. I'm gonna probably, probably gig uh, more on the horn, on the sax than uh, the piano. So that's right. I forgot you play sax. I play them all. I wow. And I, and I and that's really great for like when I'm doing a big production. Yeah. I'll you know I I, I cut to both alto parts, to both tenor parts, to Barry, and I can even throw the soprano on and get that full sax sound section going in and, and then that's that's cool because then you you put some muted brass up on top and it sounds like nelson riddle's you know band is there I've got to say, Barry Sachs
0: is one of my very favorite instruments to record. It's just, The sound is so satisfying in a control room on big monitors, especially if you use like an old RCA uh, ribbon mic on it and run it through a Pultec equalizer and a tube limiter. And you listen to it in the control room. It's just like, uh, it's like having a really good dessert. Let's just say.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it's funny, but a lot of my Barry Sax stuff, Gets placed, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, this one, the one, my favorite. As a matter of fact, it, we it won one of your contests on a taxi TV, Red Sky Morning. Uh, I got I won one of Robin's books. <laughs> oh, cool! Uh, is it, in a is in a movie with uh, Linda Redgrave and Danny Glover, uh, Scout about Scout. And you know the scene. I'm you know, of I rented the movie. And I'm like, okay, where's it? Where it is? And <laughs> Uh Jane Seymour is laying on a couch, sweating because it's the air conditioning and there's a power outage in New York City. And they're playing some kind of board game by candlelight. And there's my Barry Sachs in the background. And then Danny nice. Glover calls her on the phone. And they're having this conversation with my music going on. Yeah, It never gets old. Today.
0: <laughs> I once
1: you get placements it never gets old
0: <laughs> I know you're, you're one of my favorite people that whenever you get something you'll post it on the forum and you can feel the excitement coming off the web page and I'm always proud and happy for you um what how old were you when you started I know you said you record you wrote something in third grade I mean was that like the beginning of something you did regularly at what point did you become a more serious writer composer right
1: I started putting uh, pen to paper, uh, probably around 8th grade, ninth grade. Yeah. Uh, then I started writing with a buddy of mine, and we, we started doing some. I mean, every night writing. And uh, we, we were, you know, like this in, in our writing style, and we just, you know, it, it, you know, the mind, we didn't have to talk. We just knew uh, he'd go home. I'd, I'd stay, he'd come to my house to write, and then he'd go home. And the next night we'd get together and i said, say, hey, I wrote this little painting for last night. He goes, I wrote one. And where mine ended, his started. It was it was uncanny. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we got some copyrights. Oh boy, waiting, waiting, you know, 26 weeks for the copyright <laughs> office to give us that piece of paper, like, you know, put it on the wall. You
0: know? <laughs> Many years ago, I had to go to the copyright office. It's in room B14 in the basement. Of the Library of Congress. And when you go there, it's a hallway that is designed to be a bomb shelter for people that work in D.C. should anything ever happen. The hallway is so long that they use golf carts to go back and forth down there. But when a golf cart drives away from you, it goes over the horizon. It actually disappears because of the curvature of the earth. <laughs> it's so weird to wow. be underground and see wow. that. I mean, it literally just disappears over the over the curve of the earth. <laughs> That's a long hallway. Wow, um, yeah. So the Telly Savalas moment, I mean, what did you do after that? When you decided you want to start composing for media, did you start paying attention to music in a different way when it was in TV shows? Um, did you start writing right away? How did that all come to fruition?
1: No, I, I just kept playing. I was still playing. I was gigging a lot, you know, because in college, you know, you know poorer than a church mouse and you know those those gigs you know kept food going and, and wine yeah. in the refrigerator so to speak but <laughs> um yeah uh no i didn't didn't start dreaming of, of of getting into the to the the sink side or the tv film until way later then you know I, I told the story you know my dad said you know i know you want to be a music major but you know Go for marketing at this point, you know, because, you know, you have, you have what it takes to be a salesperson in a market. You you've demonstrated that. You'll love it. Do it. You'll always have your music. I, I told, said this before in the other one. And it was, it was fantastic advice. He says, you know, get a business background. You'll always have your music. If you want a gig, you gig. If you don't, you don't have to. But if you do the music thing, it's a rough life. I mean, I, I feel I, I really feel bad for all the musicians out there. Who you know? All the restaurants are closed. You know, they're they're doing online concerts just to make some some money to eat and survive. And but having the business background, you know, in our in our company, you know, Brooks has been fantastic. You now we're all we all stayed employed. We we reinvented how we we go to market and to keep keep everyone going. But I still have my music, yeah. and, and 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 now as I'm you know getting ready for transitioning. Uh, into retirement you know now I can flip it from the business side to where that's I could probably I'll probably do some hopefully some kind of contract work for for Brooks as I go in because in September I'm 66 in two months so I can take full social security and I don't and I was born at the right time where I won't get penalized if I earn money. Because in certain ages if you take your social security if you earn money they they pull back your social security so that's you know these are all in the financial plan you got to be aware of these things and uh, so so I can still do contract work that's I mean, right we're the
0: we're the same age I'm a little older I turned sixty six last September yeah, but yeah, not planning on retiring anytime soon, but someday I guess <laughs> um, so. What made you decide to join Taxi?
1: Hey, Two thousand six. Um, my son uh, is a musician too, and the buddy I was telling you about in high school, who I lost contact with, you know, we reconnected and we said, "Hey, let's you know, let's get together, let's put out an album." <laughs> you know, so we took a week. We sat in uh, in my what was my studio at the other house, and uh, I had a little sixteen-track Korg. <laughs> With the slide dials, you know, and yeah. I bought some sure, sure, uh, SR 48s or something, you know, and, and some mic stands. And we sat there for a week and we wrote like four tunes. And then, uh, a month later, we went up to Baltimore where Ryan was living and we, um, went into a studio and we spent two nights and we cut these four tunes. And so now, you know, Bob the marketer is gonna, you know, <laughs> take the world on you know and i bought the uh publisher books the indie bibles and i and i'm making mailing lists and i'm doing all this stuff and i started one of the magazines i saw your ads oh, and, okay. and i'm like why what? what is this you know and you know people making deals and this and that and and you know i'm a true skeptic and i was like oh, i just can't be real blah blah. blah. but then i you know, I, I kept seeing the ads and, you know, there were real people there talking. And uh, then I went on the website and, uh, and I kind of got hooked. I went down the forum and I was reading deals and reading about this and reading about that. And it was my birthday, uh, July 14th, 2007. That was my birthday present. I uh, joined Taxi wow. and uh, came to my first rally. And and I remember, I said this before in the taxi, I remember sitting there with my little CD with four songs. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, I was 50 something and, uh, you know, learned quickly that they don't sign 50 year old artists, even though how good my soprano sax sounded on that CD. Uh, <laughs> but then it was, the, and I said, well, you're here, you know. You spent the money do it you know just listen and start and i started making some friends um you know i ran into matt and i ran into Chuck and uh john was and and it was kind of a it was feeling good you know and i was kind of like digging this and then i think it was the following year um you opened the taxi uh, rally and you came out and you said hey how many of you and you played just a little piano quip uh, through the system and so how many of you could play that? And I'm like, oh I mean, I could play that. And then you played a little someone a little guitar riff. How many of you could do that? And you could write for TV and film. And I'm like, bing you know, the bell went wow. off and, and the horse, you know, ran out of the gate and the race was on. And then I realized, okay, I got a hell of a lot to learn. And I'm, you know, I'm fifty something years old. I gotta learn it now. And I, you know, there's you know, taking no prisoners, you know, just boom, you you know, I'm off to the races. And that's how I do things, you know, just, okay, we're we're doing this now.
0: I think, you know, it's funny. I was just uh, editing the Matt Vanderbo interview that he did for the road rally last November. Um, he's that way. Uh, Chuck Henry's that way. Many of the taxi all-stars, or many of our successful members, period, no matter what level of success they're at, They tend to be people who focus on something and just go, I'm going to get this done. And they do, rather than feeling that they're entitled to make money with their music just because they feel that they should. You guys have actually worked for it. And every one of you has become successful. Um, So do you have... Any particular set of genres that you prefer to work in, or do you do whatever is needed? How how do you decide what you're going to record?
1: I tend to stay in the jazz realm—straight uh, jazz, cocktail jazz, piano jazz, uh, vocal, vocal jazz. Uh, from this, I, I, I tend to gravitate to the late fifties, sixties. The Nancy Wilson era, the Cannonball Adderley era, that that's where, and that's that's getting a really big revival now. That that style is is really being grasped. So I'm I'm good at that and New Age. And, and you know, in fact, when this the small record deal I got in Japan, um, Muzak Japan, you know, they wrote to me, and they said, you know, and he kept saying, you know, we've signed over three hundred, you know, jazz artists, but they wanted my first Snowfall album. Wow. That was on, on Disco Kid. And that album is New Age. It's all solo piano. And and then when I was given the message, he goes, he goes, no, this is really not jazz. This is more New Age. And I said, well, I was kind of confused as to why you were telling me about jazz. So I, I also, and again, marketing, because he signed so many jazz, I also sent him many playlists of my jazz stuff. So hopefully down the road there'll be, a, you know, more Contracts coming, but it, it's pretty neat. It's it's a it's a uh, a deal in Japan, and they're they're hawking the, they're actually printing CDs, and they're going to the uh, to the I guess curio shops or specialty shops. They're doing download, and I'm also the in-flight entertainment on international flights of ANA Airlines for February and March. So wow,
0: do you remember John Brahaney? Oh yeah, yeah. He used to be the guy who put together the shows. I think it was for Delta Airlines. He was actually, he would pick the music and narrate the show and do like the uh, unsigned channel on on Delta Airlines for years. And I I remember people made some decent money being on those in-flight things. I don't know how ASCAP or BMI figured that out, but they did. Um, So can you say that one genre of jazz is like more frequently licensed or more financially
1: rewarding than others is cocktail jazz the predominant thing yeah it'd be cocktail jazz cocktail jazz and in the solo uh piano jazz uh one tune that was placed in the series the originals Mm -hmm. it was actually played live on the uh, in the scene i had a not only than them the, the track but i had to send them the sheet music and, and oh, wow. it's, what's really interesting is that after that episode uh dry martini is one of my most streamed uh piano uh-huh. tunes yeah
0: interesting because
1: people have seen it in the show they googled it figured it out they- added it to their playlist Exactly. And 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 then there's like tune find and stuff, you know, people are lighting that oh, this song just makes me feel so relaxed and da 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 and is there other music? Of course, you know, social marketing, you gotta answer them and tell them where mm-hmm. they can go to to download your stuff and
0: that's yeah, great. I'd love to hear that. Um, So when you write, which of these two mindsets are you typically in? Um, A, I'm gonna compose the most brilliant piece of music I've ever created, or B, I'm gonna compose the most usable piece of music I can for film and TV by making it simple and emotionally impactful.
1: And you know, it's what's gonna get used. Um, I'm I'm gonna write a nice song. Uh, I'm going to wordsmith it. If I'm working with a co-writer, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. The production is where it has to be. It has to be broadcast quality. It has to be all those wonderful things. But it's going to be what can be used. Because a lot of times when I'm writing, you know, there's scenes in my head. I'm, I'm, I'm very visually graphic that way. When I'm writing music, I'm, I'm usually picturing my own little scene of how that would play or how that would feel in, 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 in a scene. And then I, you know, then you come back to all the, all the years of rallies and music supervisors telling you, you know, this is what you don't do. This is what, you know, this is what will keep you out of a scene, you know, just overplaying, just blaring stuff or just uh, things in certain ranges that'll interfere with, with voice being spoken. Uh, and be, be very cognizant of that when you're writing. So so key selection is, is real important. Of course, if there's a vocal, you know you got to be writing for for the. Uh, that that's my my one of my big tips as I learned. Write the song because I do everything midi to start. And before you record it, if it's going to be a vocal, and if you know who the vocalist is going to be, you run it by them and say, is this your key? To how do this is where the range of this song is. So tell me now so I can adjust it. Because a lot of stuff I like writing in the key of F. And, but, you know, that high E, you know, that's, you know, that's a lot of problems for us, especially female singers. So, but, you know, if I bring it down to A flat, but I already I write it in F, that's easy. And then just, you know, computer write, bring it down to bring it into their key. Because I've had singers come in and say, oh, yeah, this is great, but, you know, if I could take it down a third, uh, sorry, the key's the key, because I've already recorded the sax, I already have my drummer and my bass guy come in, we're locked here, you either can do it or you can't do it, so. Um, How long does
0: it take you to do an instrumental piece, solo piano instrumental piece, versus doing a full-on jazz song with, I'm guessing, like a four-piece band and
1: a vocalist? i i just sent my new record uh i was on lunch a couple months ago and and i'm very rigid and you know the day gig and music you know at 12 i take my lunch hour and a lot of times i'll just eat something quick and i'll come in i'll work in the studio for an hour and then get back to work um I, i started writing a solo piano piece i wrote it mixed it mastered it in 37 minutes submitted it submitted it to there i let the publisher know it was there they signed it within two hours (laughs) so that that's my record that that's not the norm though that's not that's a
0: record for everybody i think really you just set the record for the entire world of musicians doing sync work that's incredible
1: (laughs) yeah it was fun you know i just i was just plinking around and oh this sounds good and and i and i just opened up the machine okay got a little click track going and just played it i had very little one of the few times i had very little things that i had a, a few pressures here a few keys are a little too hard did it boom boom wrapped it up book it dano and i'd like to do, do more of that but you know usually a, a nice three minute solo cocktail piece it'll take me an evening mm-hmm. and then i i like to sleep on it and come back to it in a day or so let it let it ferment there for a little bit, and then listen to it, and you know, and then you know, you open it up, and like, oh my god, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> oh my god, you know, delete, you know, and then other times, ooh, and I, it, I don't know what <laughs> this has happened so many times to me. Um, I'll shut down the studio, I'm through whatever I'm doing for that night, and then just for the heck of it, I'll open up. I'm, I'm in Logic, so I'll open up that drive that has all my, my files on it, and I'll just start looking at titles. And I'll say, huh? 2016. What's this? I don't even remember it. And I open it up, and it's fully orchestrated strings, five parts, sax parts, a whole big music, but it, you know. It, Needed something to finish and obviously I closed the file Something else came in that was important or I was on the road and then I started working on another and totally forgot about it And I okay, so now now I have lists everywhere of of these I found like five or six of them and then I find little segments little um, just I have an idea I open up create it and then forget about it and and this is (laughs) in fact a couple of my co-writers, you know, we had a a nice verse, but we didn't have a chorus and we didn't have anything written yet. And I went through and I found this song that was, could easily be a chorus. And it was in a different key, so it quickly changed the keys and I put them together. Whoa, that worked and it got signed. Amazing. So
0: how did you, how, forget 2020 and COVID, in a normal year with you traveling as much as you do, how do you find the time to do this stuff? I mean, do you, do you get off a plane, walk in the you know door to your house at eight o'clock at night and start working on music or uh, your wife's name is Sue, right? For Susan, Sue. Wait, say that again. What's your wife's name? Sue? Michelle. Michelle. Whoops. Wrong taxi member. Anyway, do you walk in the door? Hi, Michelle. What's for dinner? Oh, thank you. What's for dessert? And then off to the studio. I mean, how do you find the time to
1: do all this? No, it goes the other way. Hi, honorable I'm home. She says, "What are you cooking for dinner?" <laughs> My house too. <laughs> yes, I do. All, I do all the cooking. Yes, uh, thank God. Um, we have a deal. I we, we we have a deal. I cook, she cleans. so um, That's how that works. No, it's it's just regimentation. Uh, you just you, you your your day is in blocks. Um, how it worked then and how it works as the po now um back then if i'm if i was one of those in weeks and this goes off the same now my, michelle's alarm goes off at four in the morning she gets up gets the coffee going and she likes to flink on the computer um my alarm goes off at five we're both at the barn by six we uh, spend about an hour hour and 20 minutes out there right now we're bringing them in um, now it's been snowing and cold, so we have He's, to- he's talking, just for you guys who don't know, they, they've got what, 14 horses that
0: are boarded on your property, something like that? 24. 24. I was off by 10. Look, I don't know your wife's name. I don't know how many horses you have. <laughs> Clearly, I'm How are you doing? <laughs> so you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, go out and take care of the horses before you do anything
1: we bring them in it's been you know sub you know freezing here so we can't water them at night so we gotta fill 24 water buckets um, make sure they have hay bring them in uh when it's really cold they act like idiots so you know i'm, I'm being you know dragged like this between two 18 hand horses uh wow. which are if you don't know horses that's big i mean their withers are over my head and, and if they decide to to get together and squish me they'd be easy but um yeah, so it's quarter after seven, uh, I'm in the house. I make my wife's lunch. Uh, she goes off to the law firm. Uh, then I go do the day. Now I do the day gig. Uh, lunchtime I'll play. Six o'clock we go out. We help uh, whatever's left to be done. She has a lot of students that are, are pitching in, doing the shoveling. I end up usually spreading and watering. And then we come in. I usually set up dinner before we go out so it's ready. Eat. Eight o'clock, uh, usually done by dinner. I'd like to eat earlier, uh, but you know, eight o'clock is what it is. Studio, nine ten. Lately, it's been nine ten because I'm just tired. Uh, but normally, I'd go to like eleven and start to, Groundhog Day, started all over. In twenty, in twenty nineteen, when I was traveling a lot, uh, that would be my in week thing. And on the when I go on the road. Um, You know, I had a little iPod thing and whatever I was working on would be loaded in there. And I'd take sheet music with me and I'd take my pad. I have my little books and where I'd be working. I'm sitting on the plane. I'm conducting. People think I'm weird, but you know, I'm looking at this, (laughs) listening to this, um, writing lyrics. uh, Or sometimes just a song will come to me like, oh, oh, I got to write that lyric down because I'll forget it. Um, Write it up. If I'm in final mix. Then I'll have that in there, and on that hour and a half, three-hour flight, four-hour flight, I will listen to it literally 500 times. I just hit repeat, and I just keep listening, listening, and listening. And you know, you, you get to that level where you're listening not just for what she's singing or he's singing or what you're playing, but you know, that hi hat, that snare. You know, is the bass is the did the bass player hit you know an eighth where the kick hit, and am I like getting a boom instead of a boom, you know, you know, making yeah. all the all the little things that keep you awake at night. And then then you're listening to the mix itself, you know, and just where it's sitting, you're listening in little earbuds and, and I used to bring CDs along in the rented car, and I'd shove it in there while I'm driving to the next place, listening and listening and listening. So and that's, uh, you know, it comes down to I, I think john was they, you know, made a post years ago, he says it's not the gear, it's the ear yeah you know, and and that's what you, you know, that's you know that's your other instrument is getting so you can hear it i i made a post years ago i said you know when i listen to music now i don't listen to the song i listen to how it was recorded <laughs> i listen to, to the mix mixing yeah you know?
0: occupational hazard for those of yeah. us who were in the industry yeah it's really hard for me to listen to anything As just a music lover or, you know, a a tourist, I mean, I'm constantly, even walking through the grocery store, I'm noticing, you know, wow, did I just hear an edit go by, you know, coming out of the
1: ceiling? (laughs) There's no greater thrill than walking in the supermarket and hearing your music. <laughs> I've had a lot of those in the that's,
0: that's the only place I get to hear music I worked on in the 70s. It seems. <laughs> it's true. There have been times where I've been at the grocery store and heard two songs that I worked on in the 70s. In, in the half an hour I was in the grocery. So how did you learn uh, with, with this incredibly busy schedule that you have in all the traveling? How did you learn logic? How did you find the time? Uh,
1: trial and error you know you usually the nice thing with doing cocktail lounge music you know you you get your template set up you know you you kind of you you know you know where the um you know the ballpark you know where it's where it is and then you you just expand upon that um CK Barlow, you know, an angel. Yeah. <laughs> CK, <laughs> how do I do this? It's it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Oh, Bob. You know, she always, you know tell me. Everything. But yes, for a long time, she would. She was you know, saved my butt so many times and just in logic because she teaches that stuff. Uh, but yeah, just learning. In fact, I just realized I'm, I'm doing two co-writes right now. And I just realized just how under how I am underutilizing Easy Drummer, Easy Drummer 2.
0: Yeah. And
1: addictive drums. And YouTube, man. Okay, you know, because I was e- easy too. I couldn't find a multi-timbral way to do it because it's you're running out of uh, you know uh, RAM here to, you're loading too many of these and I said well I gotta do it not there, but I found these other tutorials and I'm like, oh I could do it like this. And now I know how to do that, and it's just—I always go back to my buddy when we, with, with uh, Ryan, when we we're doing that first recording session. I had my little cord there, and my buddy said, "You're not going to become an engineer, are you?" I'm like, "Hell no! You know that's, <laughs> that's a four-letter word. I'm a marketing guy, you know." Yeah, yeah, now I talk Hertz and all this stuff, and yeah. <laughs> Well, there is something.
0: There's art and craft involved in it, and it's very addictive. Uh, I recently got Logic, uh, I think around last September, October, but didn't really mess with it much prior to the Road Rally. Um, I don't write any music, you know, but uh, I started playing around with it more about three weeks ago, and I was remixing that song Shirelli did on stage in the ballroom with my daughter. Um, okay. he, he gave me files for that. And then uh, this past weekend, I forgot that years ago, I bought a two inch 20 or a two inch 16 track of the Eagles song, Take It Easy, that was found in a dumpster behind Olympic Studios in London. And I bought it on eBay for $70, fully expecting that it would show up, if it showed up at all, that it would be a blank tape. I'll be damned. It, it It was a master take that they had done all the background vocals on, the lead guitar on, everything. Oh. And then I think they' were working with Glenn Johns on that record, and they were not getting along well with him. he they He wanted them to be a rock band and they wanted to be a country rock band. Yeah. And so I think that they ended up doing a lot of stuff over. Take It Easy was one of the songs that they redid, but I've got a sixteen track master of that that many years ago, somebody bounced uh to a, a pro tool session for me and i actually got it into logic the other day and i spent all day saturday remixing take it easy by the eagles to try and make it sound like the later eagles that worked with bill Simsick and i had that kind of silky glossy sound that Simzik got for them that Glenn Johns really didn't get for them. And it was fun. I reminded myself that I was actually good enough at things like EQ and compression and (laughs) reverb that I could hear a sound and go for it and accomplish it. But all that said, at the end of the day, I said to my wife, you want to hear my mix? And she said, no. (laughs) And I said, why not? I've been working on this for hours. She goes, I know. I've heard it. I don't want to hear it. So, Yeah. Anyway. yes, She... could care less about my mix. Um, so talk to me about uh, collaborators because with your normal busy, you know, non-COVID work schedule, uh, are you collaborating with taxi members that doing stuff remotely, or you only collaborate with people that you can bring into your home studio and record? How do you do it?
1: Uh, mainly through the internet. Through the internet, um, I. I look at my list of people I have co writed with, and I have about sixteen to eighteen co-writers right now. I'm centering on a couple of them: um, Kristen Chambers out in—I don't know—I always forget if she's in Portland or Seattle, but she's out in the Great Northwest. There, great jazz singer, and uh, we we're introduced by Casey Horowitz out of out of Philly. Right. Uh, he he had sent me a. Uh, he goes, Hey, can I use your ears? He goes. This song. I I'd, I'd love. I know you do jazz, and and I was listening. I said, well, this is great. So I wrote a nice critique, and and sent it to her. And and, and my byline was, you know, I, I really like your style, and you, I hear a lot of Nancy Wilson in your voice. It was my a god to me, and um, and I said, uh, you know, if you ever want a co-writer, you know, I'd be happy to. And she said, yeah. And I I think uh, with our My my main publisher, I think we have like eight or ten songs already uh, in the last two years signed and in place. And we're waiting for our our first uh, placement of that. But, yeah, and, you know, it's like we just finished uh, two blues tunes that are real smoking, really, really smoking. And because we I redid you talk about redoing, redoing. I wrote it years ago when I first started Taxi, um, I had a dream with a singer in the dream she was singing the song and i wrote the song based on what she was saying my rents do and i i brought a friend in who's more and it was, it was like eight octaves off it was terrible so we got rid of that and then i had uh, my sinatra guy do it and that's the only sinatra tune that i couldn't get signed it just it just didn't jive and i said hey you know i got this blues tune um i'm gonna strip out his vocal I'm gonna strip down. I had too many horns going on. I'm gonna strip it down. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna send it to you. She knocked it out of the park. We got it signed like that. And because she likes the blues. I said, hey, let's do a couple of blues. And this is how this process went. And it took us oh about a month. Now when you're traveling and you're across the country, it takes a little longer. It's not like knocking out cues. I said, Look, I, I said, let me I, I have a groove. And I I, I had a B three patch in. And I put a bass with a nice six, eight drums thing behind it. And I just did a couple chords, sent it to her. She top lined it, wrote the lyrics, wrote the melody. She was, How's this? She demoed it back to me. I said, Good, let's do this. We put the chorus in, boom. We back and forth, maybe three or four different demos. You know, I like this style, do this style. You know, this word here, I need it softer. And that's where I wish she was in the studio with me. Because yeah. I, you know, as a producer, I can say, you know, get your angle on your mic this way, and, and, and singers would just learn how to move their mouth away from the microphone yeah. when they're singing. I mean, that's an art. That's it an absolutely art. is an art. And you watch the the big-name talent doing. You see them do it, and it's it's right on. And not that she wasn't doing that, so she's listening. Um, yeah. I but, would give anything
0: you know, to record a Lady Gaga vocal and watch her work the microphone. Oh, I, yeah. I, she's amazing. Anyway, I, I think I catch off there.
1: So then she'll send like a final vocal back. I'll put it in, and then I'll balance everything, mash it up. Then I'll add my horn around her. And then we'll go back and forth a couple times. She hears things in the vocals that I didn't uh, because she's listening to her vocals and I'll make the adjustments and yeah. we'll wrap it up and I'll, I will get it out. We got them placed and uh, and that, that, t- that took a good month. That took a good month. And then while my files are in her machine, she's doing her thing, I'm working on another tune or somebody else's or I'm still mixing and mixing, taking out, taking out. The biggest thing I learned from the rallies Take it out. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to take it out. <laughs> take it out. Take it out. String I want out. that to
0: be my on my tombstone when I die. My famous <laughs> quote is: "Just because you can doesn't mean you should."
1: Yeah. So yeah, and I, I most of my most of my collaborators, with the exception of um, uh, Cherry uh, Luna, uh, who's local, and my two uh, Maddie and two uh, my my session guys, everyone else is taxi. Yeah. Everyone else is taxi from the rallies, from the forum, from, you know, just being introduced. Uh, and that's where it is. You know, Casey, Casey and I have a ton of tune sign. He has these pop tunes that, you know, he, in his old archives that are just, he goes, jazz them up, do something with them and, <laughs> uh, and, I'll, and I'll take them in, uh, cypher them and get them on and then you know we we just had a great placement for one of his songs and it was barry sax yeah. it was in, i forget the, the uh, I, I wish i could remember all of these that's a really good problem to have you can't remember the shows you're in because they're, <laughs> they're building it's a great problem to have but it was one of these that went back in time and it was a uh, film noir and you know the guy walks you know the gumshoe walks in with the hat to the bar and he You know talks heavy to the girl and she's you know they're straight and the very sax and the flute are just there and it's just a perfect scene it was a perfect scene so yeah
0: i'm going to make a little marriage here during a a live episode and that is uh we have a taxi member that you probably haven't met because i don't think he's ever been to a road rally his name is andre stepanian and uh he lives uh near vancouver Um, He's actually a a fishing guide, like a world-class fly fishing guide, but he's also a world-class guitarist. And I've been getting to know him through the Quarantini Happy Hours and uh, recently featured him. He's actually our current passenger profile in the Taxi Newsletter. But I I spent a chunk of time one morning, I think a Saturday morning, watching a bunch of videos. He is to guitar what you are to piano. Uh, Oh, wow. you can feel it coming from his heart through his fingers and out of that instrument. And he's jazz and flamenco, um, oh. a, a few other styles, uh, classical uh, Classical, he classical style. or, or steel string, but he, he can do it all. Uh, oh, yeah. a, anyway, so I'm going to connect you guys via email after oh. dinner tonight. You guys need to oh. know each other. I love uh, and, it. He, and he's got your kind of work ethic as well. Um, so getting back to the work ethic, I'm amazed that all that you do, because the reason I want to have you on the show and cover this topic today is I'm getting a little tired from you know hearing from people all these years. It's like, yeah, you know, I joined taxi, but I didn't really do much with it because I've got a day job. It's like then you don't want it badly enough because there are so many of you guys out there that are successful taxi members that have very busy day jobs but you're probably the busiest because of the travel thrown in there. I mean, you know, yeah, you can do a mix on an airplane and a set set of headphones. Yeah. You can do a little writing, but you know, like we were talking about before the show, there's still that you got to get off the plane. You got to go get the rental car. You got to get to your hotel. You got to get checked in. It's all part of the travel thing. and, And I've traveled enough. Um, you know, as I said before the show, in the early days of living in LA, I was going back and forth every other weekend to New York. I, I know what that drill is like, and I've always been astounded that you're able to get this stuff done in quality work. Not You're not just painting by numbers and, and cranking it out. You crank out everything you do reeks of quality, and you're able mm-hmm. to do it with the work schedule. Just amazing. So I hope that people watch this and are inspired that if they've wanted this their whole life, Here's a guy sitting before you that proves that it can be done, and you don't look any worse for the wear. And you cook dinner.
1: Well, when I hear people say, I don't have time, yeah. that's, the biggest, that's the biggest thing. And I hear this when I train salespeople. You know, I don't have time, and they don't have time to write music. They don't have time. I always quote the 6th uh, century Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. Okay. You, all, you all know Lao Tzu, journey of a thousand miles starts with single step. He has all those cute little sayings. Well, he says, to say I don't have time is to say I don't want to. And and I thought on that hard and I say, you know what? Boy, that, that, that hits you right in the heart. So now I don't say, I, I never say I don't have time. Now I say, where will I find the time? How will I find the time? Sometimes you don't have time. So you got to move it to the, but you move that block. You schedule it. Mm. You know, I always used to joke. You know, Brian always said, "Dad, you got to get in the gym." I don't have time. <laughs> 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 you know, you know, and uh, but it's the truth. You know, it's just to say I don't have time is to say you don't want to. If you really want to do it, you're gonna find the time. You're gonna, you know, you know, yeah. with your eyelids hanging down here. You're gonna put in that extra fifteen minutes, and that's what separates the people who get the syncs it'll get the who do the thing and the other side of besides writing the music is the business side you know and i i always harp on that yeah you're a musician yeah you're a composer but you got to be a business person and you got to present yourself to uh, when when publishers call you got to be professional and you cuz they they remember you know if you're if you're going to be a horse's patoot so to speak you're not going to get the second call you're not going to get that call well one my big publisher what really got me going and a great relationship with them is after i i put in uh, one of the sinatra tunes they came back to me and said we want sinatra and strings can you can you produce more will you produce more and you know they're, they're expensive to produce you know and but i said yeah oh absolutely you know uh We'll bring them in. I started first thing, you know, like, well, you know, these are major productions, you know, and I, I bought the Sinatra and Strings album, Don Costa, oh my god, my my hero, and and listening to how he does it, and and then okay, so what songs do I have already that I can just take out the other vocal and put in my Sinatra guy? Yeah, and I had like, and I had like three or four of them. Boom, boom, boom. Right to the publisher. Keep sending them, keep sending them. And I think we have like 12 signed with him. Yeah, Yeah, that stuff is
0: evergreen too, because it it won't ever go out of style. It may not be the most frequently licensed genre, but it will be an always licensed
1: genre. I I have two of them in Hallmarks. And they're, you know, the uh, With Love Christmas. There's uh, Dan Borelli singing. You know, the play that's of the Dean Cripain in my song. And it's the cheesy love dance at the end of the movie. I mean, and they, and I I was so disappointed. I didn't get any hallmark this season because I I even wrote to the supervisors and the producers of a couple of them and gave them some playlists of my new stuff, you know, and I, oh, we like, hey, thanks for, but we'll consider, you know, uh, Hallmark plays all the time, and you know, when you like you said, when you have three minutes or an hour, you know, an hour, a minute and a half, oh, that's the back end is superb.
0: Yep, yep. A very dear friend of mine who uh, has been a mentor of mine for many years once said to me about the music library business specifically, he said, It's a penny business, but get a lot of music out there so you can make a lot of pennies that's you know there's an equation to it um talk to me a little bit more about the business side because i just got uh, somebody reached out to me the other day a publisher reached out to me and said what is with these people referring to uh that he saw a particular taxi member using their real name spouting off on political stuff on twitter or facebook or somewhere and apparently apparently it was a little over the top and he said Look, I'm not even gonna tell you where I sit politically, but this is just bad business. You know, make up a fake name or something, but don't go out there because, you know, half half of the country is one party and half is the other party. You're bound to piss off somebody. And and he noticed it and it bothered him so much that he reached out to me and and during the conversation he brought up, and also so-and-so is doing it. And these are smart people that you and I know well. And and I can't believe they're doing it. That's got to be bad for business. Uh, Just, yeah, you you can, free speech is great. Just do it under an assumed name. If you've got business relationships to nurture would be my advice.
1: You know, my whole advice on that is you'll never see anything political on mine, unless I'm talking about the whole establishment, like, you know, political ads, all these ads that are running, you know, how many kids could that feed, you know? no i'm i'm not gonna go after whoever's in office and my 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 views don't mean anything i take it one step further actors should act ball players should play ball if you want to change society run for office but don't use your position as an actor to to spout about no place do your job i do my job you do your job (laughs) and leave it at that no you you Whenever you type something, I, whenever, before I hit that, I always look at it and say, who's going to be reading this? Who could be reading this? Yeah. Because, you know, uh, you know, I may totally hate the person in office, but you know what? He's there. He got elected. My, my 10 words of hate or disparity is not going to change anything. Move on move on I, I i stay so far away from you'll never see anything really controversial on any of my pages like that
0: i i'm obsessed with the media um, all forms of media these days have been for years um, before it was fashionable actually uh, and, and yeah i could you know espouse all kinds of stuff about that but you know what you're always going to piss if you express an opinion you're going to yeah. piss somebody off which is Free speech, again, we should cherish free speech, but in the context of doing business, you gotta be careful. Um, okay, I, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I was gonna say I'm looking for another question, see if I missed anything, so go ahead, give me a minute.
1: Talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, on that subject, um, on my Facebook page, our friends. I have some publishers that are Facebook friends, and they're doing that. They're like just machine gunning when well, Trump was and all. They were machine gunning him to pieces, and I'm like, really, dude? You know, your customers are watching this. You know, your composers are are are, are looking this, and you know, so I'm you know after that, I'm like, he's an exclusive, and there's a reversion cause. So I got to find these contracts and. And bring them back <laughs> and I, I don't i don't want my name associated with anything like that because you know when the, besides your music the only other thing you have out there is your name and your reputation yep and and if you're if your publishers look at you with respect and if they look at you as a go-to person someone they can rely on if you and, and you know it's the old you know what's that line um promise less deliver more so to speak right hey, uh, under it? uh it, yeah. under
0: promise and over deliver
1: yeah that's it you know you, you want to be that when 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 a publisher, when you tell a publisher I'll have it to you by blank if it's eight o'clock you get it there by six o'clock yeah because when they when they see that email oh or the upload because they have someone that they're waiting to send that to, and you don't want to put them in that position. Well, you know, the guy said he was going to do it, but you know, um, I just saw on Facebook he's out trout fishing. You know, or he's he's playing basketball, or you know, he's eating he's eating at Carvelos. You know, it's just like, come on, dude. You know, you make a promise, say what you're going to do, do what you. These are old sales advantages, but I mean, it, it, it separates the cream from the from the milk. You know, the cream rises to the top, so to speak, and Absolutely. you want to. You want to be in, in that top area
0: um i kind of you already gave me an answer to this but let's talk a little bit about uh retirement again um so do you think it's possible because you've already built the foundation and you know the industry and you've got music out there in catalog so if you were able to work the eight hours a day or more that you work on your day gig in retirement, do you think that you'll be able to substantially grow the number of tunes that you've got in catalogs because you've got this great work ethic, you would be free to work on it all day, every day, and that could be your entire retirement income, I mean, other than Social Security?
1: Yeah, that's that's where it's going. Um, you know, you, you look at it, your financial plan it, you got social security coming in. Michelle's a little younger than me. She's got about four or five years before six years before she can do the Social Security thing. You know, we have enough savings. We have enough. Um, I think next month I'm gonna pay down the last two credits that will be debt free. Nice. If you manage your debt, you don't have to earn as much to, to survive, so to speak. But yeah, no, the royalty checks are coming in, the back end's coming in, the sinks are nice, and to my my biggest Um, My biggest negative right now, the biggest thing that I would need more time uh, during the day uh, in in lieu of the day gate is seeking out more libraries, seeking out more um, production houses to get my music there, more avenues. Um,
0: There's never been a better time to be a taxi member. I got to tell you, we're like running on. All cylinders are just blazing right now. A taxi. We really thought we were going to take a hit when COVID hit uh, because we knew that productions were shutting down. And then it occurred to me, first of all, uh, we were the first people anywhere in the industry to send out an industry wide email saying, hey, if you're going to need move, uh, music for COVID shows when this is over, we thought it'd be over in a couple of months. Ha ha ha. Anyway, we got a bunch of great music in the libraries. We're so glad they ingested a lot of it. Uh, they're coming back to the trough for more now that it does look like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Nice. Um, and then another thing we suggested to the libraries during COVID was, and they seem to pick up on this on their own as well, which is, hey, if you're not as busy as you always are plugging, it's time to go back and look at your catalog, actually go through it with a fine tooth comb. Do your, instru- uh, do your orchestral things sound dated? You know, um, could you use fresher stuff? Could you use hybrid stuff? um and so we've been busier than we've ever been in the company's 28-year history and on top of that we've added a ton of new libraries so i don't know how often you get a chance to look at the listings but there are a ton of catalogs out there that you and many of the taxi all-stars are not in yet so yeah. if that's your goal yeah. trust me we've got them
1: Yep, no, still still uh set to the you know still submit to the listings great uh not as much as when I started, because, yeah. you know, there's there's a product life cycle, you know, when yeah. you start off, you know, it's you're you're the world, you're the universe. And then as you start getting in developing relationships, they start sending you briefs of what they need. Yeah. And so you start focusing there because you have a you, know, you got to go for the probability. You know, they if they're looking for it, they have a need for it. If I can fill it, maybe I can get used on it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm not offended by that. I support it, actually. Um, going back to the timeline thing about uh, over, uh, under-promising and over-delivering, we just recently ran a listing um, for a direct-to-supervisor thing that needed somebody that sounded like they were a busker playing a-, a guitar and singing out in the town square somewhere. I think it was a show that was being shot in London. So they needed somebody that sounded legitimately British or actually was British. And my friend reached out to me, uh, my Music Soup friend reached out to me about 4.45 on a Friday afternoon and said, I need this, um, we've got to present it to the, um, uh, to the executive producer Monday morning. So I said, all right, let me get the team scrambling and a and couple people stayed a little late after work and we got the listing out, we deadlined it on Saturday. We screened the stuff on Sunday, got it to him uh, Sunday night, not too long after dinner, even though he technically didn't need it till probably eight in the morning on Monday. And I checked with him a few days later and he said, oh, yeah, you know, I forwarded a bunch of the stuff. He he actually said, "Um, I pitched a bunch of your taxi stuff. So I believe that because we um, under-promised and over-delivered on that timeline, sorry, that we were able to... uh, get it to him before everybody else did if there were anybody else's uh and and therefore you know i'm guessing probably six or eight of our things got forwarded and i think that there were probably i don't know 15 in the batch that went from us to him so i'm a, a big fan of that it's like yeah if there's a deadline don't get it there a minute late get it there an hour early that's right well, we've still got um, 11 minutes. How about you up for a little Q&A with the folks in the chat room?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, chatters, if you've got questions, I'm now pulling you up to the front of my screen, and I will relay the questions to Mr. Medi. Oh, I just crushed an earbud. <laughs> I guess you're supposed to have both of them in your ears. It'll take a minute for the questions to show up because there's a little delay. Question, favorite piano sample libraries from Robert Els. That's a great question. Um, First of all, do you record using sample libraries or do you have a a piano? Uh,
1: I have a 1918 Steinway upright that's coming over. I just got to find where I'm going to put it here, but I don't record it. Everything goes through my Yamaha 505 uh believe it or not a lot of times i'll record into logic steinway i'm a steinway guy uh there's steinway studio or their hall piano and i'll tell you sometimes if you my my the the, the patch i go to is east west uh, their gold pianos which are wonderful but a lot of times i'll just leave it in the logic with the steinway yeah you you put the right verb on it you eq it you put a little delay and it and sometimes it sounds better than the east west that i paid all that money for uh but yeah that's the only one i have is uh this the, the uh, east west gold
0: i'm gonna teach you a, a trick that you may know already but you may not this is an old engineering trick that i used to use in the 70s uh I did a lot with snare drums after the fact if the artist went home because we didn't have sample libraries back then. But you can do it with piano and I know it works really well. And that is take it um, out of your system, play it into a pair of speakers like NS10s or Oritone, something not very big, and put them about four feet apart from each other in the room and then stereo mic them from about four feet away and bring it back into two channels and combine that with the sample. And just uh-huh. having the room ambience and the fact that you're pushing some air yeah. will make your piano sound even better.
1: I might have to try that. Fett yeah. talks a lot about that uh, going in. I've, I'm going to have to call you on that because I've had trouble trying to do it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it, do, it does work. And it also depends the kind of part. You know, if it's like a very yeah. legato dreamy part, it works better than if you're doing like a Honky Chateau, Elton John's kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, let's see if I've got another question here. Uh, how does Bob know when the song is actually finally done and ready to submit? That's from Keith Sumner. Uh,
1: yeah, you know... Putting on the engineering hat from a marketing standpoint is like it's never done. Uh, in, in business, you're always yelling at the engineers. Okay, we're good. You know, let's take it to market. Uh, you, for me, it's it's the feel. After I after I've gone through and listened to it a, a thousand times and play it over and over, and you're listening for all the little nuances, and when there's nothing left to do, uh, when you sit back and say. What what would I do to this now? And you say nothing because the balance is right. You know the you know you take it out. You listen to it on the on the stereo. You listen to it in the car. You listen to it in your earbuds. And when after you've listened in in all the different places that it's going to be heard, yeah, it's time to get it off. Time time to send it off to the uh, to the publisher and move on to the next one.
0: Andre Stepanian, uh, the gentleman I'm going to introduce you to, the guitar player, wants to know, uh, what are your Logic Piano settings? Are you comfortable sharing those?
1: The settings?
0: Yeah, how, how would you EQ the Logic Piano? What kind of reverb is your go-to reverb on it? That sort of stuff. Do you compress it? Oh, yeah. It?
1: In, in Logic, yeah. I Once I record, I always go to the uh, Grand Piano 3. Because I like the way that sets, and depending on the song, um, if I'm heavy in the in you know in the lower keys down there, I'm gonna you know pull them back a little bit, and you know depending on the piece that I'm writing, and, and is it playing with other instruments? Is it solo piano? I'll adjust that. So that, to me, it sounds like it sounds like it's on stage, and that that's to me, it always has to sound like it's on the stage, and where on the stage it is, uh, for the uh, reverb. I just use the uh, space designer, and I, I usually just I, I don't put much on it at all because in in if I'm doing it in the east west I can adjust all the, the sine waves in east west, mm. uh, and, and I can adjust the stereo spread and everything else I need to do. But if I'm just leaving it in in um, in Logic, uh, I'll maybe just bring it to like thirty two. And then maybe about three, four on on the dry side. Uh, I usually put uh, like about a th- was it, three three eighty five delay in, in in there just uh, really. Yeah,
0: that's kind of long. That's that's a, So you must just use a little tiny
1: pinch of that. Yeah, yeah, three eighty five. That's what I use on the horns. That's a good snapback. Yeah, uh, and sound. So I, I, I kind of like that. And then, uh, then I'll, depending on the song, I'll, it depends what compression I'll use. Uh, and the, the Logic has really nice compression that I'm, I mean, I haven't bought any, I have a thing in my rack here that I can record in compression, but for the for the MIDI stuff, uh, I usually go with something soft. Uh, and again, it depends on the tune. If, if I really want more, uh, if I pull up like a Yamaha C5, um, C7 piano there, where it's bright and all that, I'm gonna use something that's gonna complement the, the tune to that. And wow, that's you really what... have
0: become an engineer. I'm proud of you. And thank you for, for coming from you, that's a... <laughs> well, you know, that, that's the art of it. You have to understand, have the foundational science, and then apply it to the artistic side of it. And that's exactly right. You know, that if you've got like a, a C7 and, and the right hand is heavy and up an octave, um different compressors will react to that differently and you get to know your gear Mm -hmm. i've got to say i've been telling the guys in the quarantini happy hours i'm blown away with logic and so far all i've done is mix a couple of things but the plugins sound really really good i've downloaded some other plugins that really don't sound substantially better um Mm -hmm. and yeah like the the compressors uh that come stock with logic it's like Dude, those sound is is. Good. I've worked in studios where I had any complement of dream equipment that any engineer could ask for, and I've not run into anything yet in my two mixes that I've done where I needed. It's like, oh crap! I wish I could get this, or I'm gonna go download that plugin. All right, we've got time for one more question before I sit here and talk about Logic all night. Um, where can you listen to Bob's work? That's a good question.
1: Uh, um, if you go to SoundCloud and put the dash whatever which way that dash goes I, I always get that dexlexics I always mess it up but do red with two d's r-e-d-d dash productions with an s in my whole catalogs there
0: great um I just saw another good question um Man, I lost that one. Anyway, somebody earlier asked um, exclusive versus non. Do you prefer one over the other? How Uh, much your stuff is in one type or the other?
1: I am predominantly non-exclusive. I do have some exclusives. Uh, some some very friendly taxi places. Uh, I just put some in. Uh, when I do exclusive, it's usually written for that library right. to a brief or a request they want. And it's usually more on the queue side. Because when I if you know they say, well do a Sinatra and do twenty well and it costs me personally, you know, by the time I bring my my session guys in and Borelli in, and if I bring my my jazz trumpet guy in i'm looking at five six hundred dollars out of my pocket to give over the copyright and that's not going (laughs) to happen the business side says no i like the non-exclusives because then i have free reign to uh make albums i can go to i like geographically separating my libraries too you know la i have new york i have london and because they're all going to be talking to different publishers they all have their own niche customers that they go to you know this show is not going to go to every everyone and not right. only to exclusive they spread it out i was using the example of if i sold you know this this shaker here like al Seco shaker here um you know i i can i can give it to you know Ace Hardware that only has 100 stores, or I can give it to Walmart, and they're talking to you know a thousand stores. I like to get it out there, the, just the, the law of probability, numbers on the wall, because uh, that exclusive. Like I have a couple exclusives that I'm I'm going to be sending letters to asking because they have some really good jazz. I wrote some I wrote a, a whole CD for one guy. He got one placement on out of it, and the other stuff hasn't even registered yet. And the three years are up and the five years are up. I want these back because I know my other publishers will will kill for them because they're really good. So, yeah, I I like the non-exclusive just because I like to hold my own copyrights and I like to be able to decide where they're going. And, you know, if someone calls up and I've been starting to do more work with music supervisors. And if the guy's never heard of my publishers, because I'll always direct it to a publisher Hey, right. call this person, call that person, because I feel that's a two-way street. You know, they're bringing me the business of, you know, I'm yeah. not a librarian, so I'll, I'll send it back to them or tell them where they can go. Um, so, yeah, I just like that freedom.
0: I get you. All right. Well, thank you. We're out of time You've been an amazing guest, as always, uh, for those oh, of you who don't know. I, I had Bob on the show three years ago when he happened to be in L.A. for work, and uh, he was great that day. He's been great on the stage at the Road Rally a couple of times. A real font of information, a, an inspiration on a work level or work ethic basis. Um, I, I'm amazed that you find the time, especially with the travel. But uh, And uh, someday we'll have to have you on the show. We'll do a cook-off because, yeah, I cook dinner Pretty much uh, Sunday through Thursday, I cook virtually all the dinners. My wife cleans up, and uh, Friday night she always (laughs) does the the nice big Shabbat dinner, and Saturday night we get pizza or something. (laughs) uh, Well, when we do that, my
1: I have cocktail piano music that can be playing in the background. Awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, the next time you're in L.A., we'll do a taxi TV from my house, and we'll do a cooking show together with your music playing in the background.
1: Awesome. I love it
0: um thank you and funny enough the the gentleman who asked the question about where can i hear you music and you directed him to red productions r-e-d-d his last name is r-e-d-d so that was meant to happen (laughs) (laughs) all right tell ryan i said hi um and uh that's it thank you man you were a great guest always uh happy to see your face and, and hear what's going on in your world thank you for sharing what you know with our members ladies and gentlemen Mr. Bob Meddy
1: thank you all have a great day Take care.
0: Keith LeBran <laughs> oh yeah